0: Sweet home. Shalom! Thank you for joining us for this sermon from the 6th Sunday of Easter, May twenty second, 2022 from Christchurch, Jerusalem. Our three scripture passages today from Deuteronomy 11, Revelation 21, and John 14 are about home. We all have a desire for the security, well-being, and blessing that a home gives us. But no matter how good or how dysfunctional our childhood home was, we all know what the ideal home should be. But where can we find it? The biblical understanding is that home is in our relationship with God. It's a gift that's on offer, one that we don't have to earn. We enter solely by grace, Rev. David Pelleggi reminds us. It's a phenomenal promise, but our residency there depends upon maintaining the relationship. Our readings today teach us what is essential towards that end. Ready to do something different? Join David Pelegi this August as he embarks on an in-depth study tour of Poland, once home to a vibrant Jewish community that flourished for almost a thousand years. Visit beautiful medieval cities, castles, synagogues, churches, and abandoned cemeteries. From Warsaw to Bialystok, and from Lublin to Krakow, to better understand the Polish-Jewish experience and the ways that Poles and Jews have deeply influenced each other. Come wrestle with the traumatic events of two world wars and the Nazis' final solution, and consider how and why so many ordinary Germans became willing accomplices in the murder of Poland's three million Jews. We will also discuss the existence of Hebrew Christian communities that were emerging before the war and the contours of modern Jewish messianism, from Shabbatai Zvi to Theodor Herzl. This study tour is designed to help us better our prayer life, sharpen our stand against anti-Semitism, and hopefully give us more courage to be faithful witnesses as Christians in our opposition against the idolatry and deceptions of our day. Join David August 6th through 17th, 2022, for this walk through history. Land cost is 1,749 euros, less than 1,900 U.S. dollars. For details and to register, visit NarrowBridgeTour.com. NarrowBridgeTour.com.
1: Continuing our worship with the public reading and study of His Word, an act of our worship is hearing and listening to the voice of God. So let's open our hearts and our ears and our spirits to hear what the Lord has to say to us through His Word.
2: First reading tonight is from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 11. These are Moses' last words. It's the 11th month of the 40th year of the wilderness journey. And he's speaking mostly to the children of those who left Egypt. That generation by now is gone. They're dead and buried in the sands of the Sinai. And he reminds them of the important things. Deuteronomy 11, verses 1 through 12. Therefore, you shall love the Lord your God and keep his charge his statutes, his judgments, and his commandments always. Know today that I do not speak with your children who have not known and who have not seen the chastening of the Lord your God, his greatness and his mighty hand and his outstretched arm, his signs and his acts which he did in the midst of Egypt to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and to all his land. What he did to the army of Egypt, to their horses and their chariots, how he made the waters of the Red Sea overflow them as they pursued you, and how the Lord has destroyed them to this day. What he did for you in the wilderness until you came to this place, and what he did to Datan and Aviram, the sons of Eliab, the son of Reuben, How the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up, their households, their tents, and all their substance that was in their possession in the midst of all of Israel. But your eyes have seen every great act of the Lord which he did. Therefore, you shall keep every commandment which I command you today, that you may be strong and go in and possess the land which you cross over to possess, and that you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord swore to give to your fathers, to them and to their descendants, a land flowing with milk and honey. For the land which you are to go over to possess is not like the land of Egypt, from which you have come, where you sowed your seed, and watered it by foot as a vegetable garden. But the land which you are crossing over to possess is a land of hills and valleys, which drinks water from the rains of heaven, a land for which the Lord your God cares. His eyes, the eyes of the Lord your God, are always on it from the beginning of the year to the very end of the year. This is the word of the Lord.
3: The second reading is found in Revelation chapter 21. Revelation 21, starting in verse 10. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming out of heaven coming down out of heaven from God. And then in verse 22, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Gospel
1: portion. It's from the Gospel according to John, chapter 14, beginning at verse 23. And as is our tradition, and it's a good one, please stand as we honour the King and the King Messiah. Good news, according to John. Jesus replied, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. Peace I leave you, and my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away, and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so then when it does happen, you will believe. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated, friends.
4: Let's pray. Lord, I ask that the words of my lips and the meditation... My heart may be acceptable in your sight. Bring blessing to your family. Amen. Were you nervous? I didn't pray and I didn't use the formula in Jesus' name. Does that mean the prayer is not going to be answered? Or has it become just a a magical phrase to us, right? In the name of Jesus implies, right, that there's a certain union and relationship with Him. It's not simply using the phrase, but there's a lot more to it. And um, we were recently talking about guitar players in our family because we. Like guitar players. And, um, several of us have a favorite. It's an English guitar, British guitar player. His name is Mark Knoppler. And somehow we started talking about one of this, one of his songs, Going Home. Maybe some of you know that song. It's kind of connected to a very cute, quirky movie called Local Hero. And uh, the song was in my head uh, when I sat down the other day and started thinking, "What is it about these three passages? What connects them?" And of course, it popped out. Yes, all three of our passages are about home, are about going going home, yes, not houses. Uh, but home. And we can't spend a lot of time talking about this innate desire that, uh, many of us, perhaps not all of us, right, have for this, for home. The home could be ideal, idealized. It could be, uh, reality. But it's that sense of home or that place that we call home that gives us, uh, an identity. Uh, it certainly gives us security. We always were looking or searching for a home that is going to give us, uh, sense of well-being or be a place of, of blessing or place of protection. Yes. Um, Sometimes when home uh, wasn't so ideal, we always try to go back, yes, to somehow fix what happened in the past. And the more interesting question, yeah, is where is home? I think many of us, whether it's nostalgic or idealistic, maybe even realistic. We all know what it is, but where is it? And uh, this is very interesting, and especially in my culture, come from the United States, United States is very big, and uh, after Americans talking to each other, they'll ask the question, where are you from or where's home? then you give the state or you give the city, um, at least many people do. Other people will tell you, well, home is where I was born. Uh, <clears throat> some people look, uh, for some people, home is where they were raised in their formative years or deformative years, such as high school. Other people, home is where they're living, you know, at the moment. Um And surely I would think that home is more than just geography uh, or geographical location uh, or some kind of uh, perhaps family system. And I'm convinced that our three readings really point to uh, a definition of home yes that is deeper than the ways the way most of us define it yeah and most of us again looking for looking towards home or trying to go home or trying to go back home right again so we can find either security or comfort, some kind of protection from the outside world. Let's look with the. Let's look at the. I think a biblical uh, understanding. And I'd like to start with the um, our Old Testament reading. I thought the Old Testament, uh, and especially the book of Deuteronomy, is very helpful. But before we get to our reading, I think I found really interesting. It was in Deuteronomy chapter 1, and in verse 30, 29, the Lord says to through Moses, uh, don't be terrified, don't be afraid of those giants uh, who, who live in the land. He um, goes on to say, the Lord your God is going before you, will fight for you as he did for you in Egypt, before your very eyes and in the desert. There you saw how the Lord your God carried you carried you as a father carries a son. All the way you went until you reached this place. In spite of this, you did not trust in the Lord your God who went ahead of you on your journey, in fire by night and in a cloud by day, to search out places for you to camp and to show you the way in which you should go. So here is uh, the book of Deuteronomy. Moses is about to pass to his reward. He's giving, you might say, a summary, a final discourse, encouragements, warnings. Um, The people of Israel are about to enter the land of Israel. They're about to go home. And of course, Moses wants to prepare them Um, for going home. And the context of Deuteronomy uh, is not simply that it's a bunch of rules and regulations. Many of us, um, when we think of Deuteronomy, we think of chapter 28 and following. We think of the blessings and the curses of the law. Uh, And sometimes we draw the conclusion, hey, You know, Israel should uh, keep all these rules and regulations really as a way of avoiding punishment. And there is some truth to that. Let's not forget that God said that uh, he gave the Torah and he gave the commandments uh, twice in the book of Deuteronomy. He says to the people of Israel, I gave it to you for your own good. Gave it to you for your own blessing, that things may go well with you when you go into that when you go into the land. But as we just read in chapter one, here we have a relationship between a father and a son. It's a family relationship. It's not simply a relationship of a king and his subjects or a king uh, and his slaves. Right? There's a relationship of family a relationship of the father and the son. And uh, Israel is about to be given a gift. And the gift is the, la- the, the land that was promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yes, Israel no longer will, will live as slaves in Egypt, but they will have their own home, yes. And, and this land that God is directing them to, the place where He's pointing, the home isn't mere geography. It's not mere stones uh, or hills and valleys. But um, in uh, the actually in Deuteronomy 11, it just it's actually a little bit, a little bit uh, beyond uh, our reading. It said, it is a land your Lord, the the Lord your God cares for, for the eyes of the Lord your God are continually on it from the beginning of the year uh, to its end. And the book of Leviticus tells us, it's the land in which the Lord dwells. It's the land in which the Lord dwells. Oh, I think the biblical concept this biblical understanding is not simply that it's another piece of geography and Israel is being uh, uh, Israel is being given this gift of the land after it had been given the gift of the exodus from Egypt. Yes. The crossing of the Red Sea, the provision in the desert, right? This is God's gift to the people of Israel. This, Home and listen to what the Lord says. From the from our Old Testament passage, it begins with the following: Love the Lord your God, keep His requirements, His decrees, His laws, and His commands always. Remember today, and it goes um, it goes on to to talk about. Uh, Israel possessing the land. But what is Israel's response to the gift, to this gift of home? Yeah, two things. It's love and closely connected and intertwined with the concept of love is obedience. And see, God gives gifts. He gave many gifts to the people of Israel. Those gifts came without strings attached. It's, you know, it's uh, in chapter 7 of Deuteronomy. There's uh, quite a revealing verse when it says, The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than the other peoples, for you were the fewest of all the peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your forefathers, that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of the Pharaoh, from the king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord is God. He is a faithful God, keeping his covenant to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. Those who love him and keep his commandments. So indeed God gives gifts, but interestingly the book of, at least in the book of Deuteronomy, God expects something in return. And what he expects in return is to be loved the way that he loves. Now I know that might sound a little odd. But uh, Deuteronomy is very unusual in that it commands love. It tells us that we must love and that the love that uh, our love for God is indeed in response to the gifts that he's given us. The reason that God gives gifts, the reason that God is generous, is because God wants to enter into a relationship with the with, the, with those he's given a gift to. He's given a gift to Israel, and in this case, it's the gift of the land. He wants Israel to respond. He expects a response. That response, again, it's love and obedience. In fact, I would even go a little bit further because in the book of Deuteronomy, the way that love is defined, in the Shema, for example, Deuteronomy 6, four, the way that love is defined is It is not an emotion, it is not a sentiment, it is not the feeling gooey in your stomach, right? Love is always understood as obedience and loyalty. Obedience and loyalty, what it means to love the Lord, what it means to love God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your strength, right? is to love him or to obey him in such a way. And in that case, in the case of Deuteronomy 6.4, we love him and obey him in every part of our life, right? To love God, how it was understood in the ancient world, in the world of Jesus, to love God with all of our heart meant that we, we loved him, yes, with all of our emotions and all of our intellect, Yes, all of our passions and desires. That's how we were to love God, to serve him and to make sure that we were obedient intellectually, emotionally, and to love him with our, with our soul was understood to mean that perhaps we might even have to give our physical life. And to love him with all of our might was understood to mean that we would love him with all of our finances. Yes, all of our wealth, all of our all of our resources. Right? So these gifts are undeserved. We don't deserve them. But God gives us gifts so that we may respond. And in our response, we come into a relationship with him. Right? So again, we may think, oh, this is just about rules and regulations because it's the, the Old Testament and it's the law. But the relationship that God has with Israel is a covenant relationship. And it's very natural for the prophets later to understand right this covenant relationship in the terms of marriage and so god becomes israel's husband that's the the intimacy that exists between god and his people and while israel may be unfaithful right and israel may take many husbands and israel may commit adultery so to speak just as the church has done over the centuries. God never takes another wife. And God remains faithful. And just when we think that God is ready to divorce his people, he comes and brings renewal, right, to to the covenant. So... God goes and prepares a way for the people of Israel. God gives people the gift of the land, just as he gave them the gift of the Exodus and more. But God expects a response. And all through the book of Deuteronomy, there is a warning. Yes, and that this warning is to be obedient, or otherwise the result will be exile. But again, it's in the context of love. It's in a context of responding in the way that God has, uh, you might say, has blessed us. And that same paradigm, that same pattern is found for us in, in John chapter 14, is it not? Jesus is going away. Jesus is going away and his disciples are anxious and already in for, uh, at the beginning of 14, it tells us, don't let our hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust in me also. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. Yes. And so, these verses at the beginning of John fourteen have been preached at many a funeral and I have no doubt that they have a there is a future application to this yes, it reminds me of um sort of Jewish life in the first century um, when people uh and you might say in the in the whole complex or the whole understanding of what marriage customs were uh, which marriage what marriage customs were like? Yes, when after an arranged marriage uh, between two families, the groom would go back, save money, build furniture, uh, add a room onto his father's house, uh, and then at the appropriate time, go and fetch the bride at a time when she least expected. And all of that is, a, I think, is a very real and powerful image. But at the same time, this, there's also something very current about this, right? Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Actually, Jesus has prepared a place for us already. And the place, the way that he's prepared that place is that it was actually through his death and resurrection and ascension, because that allows him to send the Holy Spirit. Yes, that allows him to send the Holy Spirit. And we have a home. And the home that we have, yes, in this relationship with the Spirit, who, by the way, brings us in to the relationship that the Father has with the Son. This is more eternal and more, you might say, powerful yeah, then any sentiment we have towards our so called earthly home, whether it's our family or our ethnic group or our religious denomination, whether it's some geographical place, yeah, there's a new home. And in the chapter, it goes further. says if you love me 14:15 you will obey what i command again here is this tie between love and commandment i think we've said before that for the bible even the new testament right the way that love is defined is by what love does the way that we define the truth right, is by what the truth does. We shouldn't ask the question, what is faith? Rather, we really should ask the question, first and foremost, what does faith do? And here the question is, what does love do? Love obeys. And then going to 22, it says, Or uh, 23, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. Wonderful. We understand that, we hope. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. All right. First, Jesus goes, prepares the way to make a home, a home now and something in the future. And then the promise is, if we obey, if we love and we obey, yes, then the Father and the Son, they come and make their home in us. It's a phenomenal promise. But the promise, yes, of home, is conditional upon a relationship. And the way that we maintain the relationship, the way that we maintain the relationship with the Father and the Son is through obedience and by obeying his commandments. It's very helpful to pray. It's very helpful to have devotions. Very helpful to go and do service when we can. It's very helpful to have fervent times of worship, but if there's no obedience to the commandments of Jesus, is there going to be intimacy? And will, in the, will, at the end of the day, will there be a home? And here I think we see a thread that runs from the Hebrew Bible or the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament even to the place where we get, even to the book of Revelation. And we sometimes think of the new heavens and the new earth as our ultimate home. And surely, indeed, it is our ultimate home. But I don't know if you've ever noticed, or sometimes, you know, we don't like to read, who gets in, or who will be resident in the new Jerusalem. And the scriptures warn us that nothing that's impure or those who commit murder or immorality or practice the black arts, sorcery, whatever, right? And even in this, in, in the new heavens and the new earth, and when the temple comes down Right? And God is present in the way that he was in the Garden of Eden. Right? That indeed it is a place of purity. And it's interesting how the book of Revelation continually emphasizes the importance of doing the commandments. And the commandments, once again, whether it's in the book of Deuteronomy or the book of John, they're tied up very closely with the idea or the concept of love. In chapter two of Revelation, Jesus says to the church of Ephesus, you have left your first love, but he says, repent and do the things that you first did, right? And again, how is love defined? Love is defined as an action, not as a feeling, and again, not as an emotion. So the invitation, God the invitation, the invitation of Jesus is really interesting. In John chapter one, there are two kind of critical questions that seem to work themselves out through the entire book of John. When Jesus meets his first disciples, um, two disciples, uh, you know, we're talking about, uh, uh, the, uh, John chapter 1 verse 37 two disciples heard him um, heard, at least heard something uh, from the lips of John the Baptist they began to follow Jesus turning around Jesus saw them following and asked what do you want what do you want I think many of us would say yeah we want a home Uh, We want a place where we know there is security. And we want a place where we know there is love. And we want a place where we know there is family. We want it to be healthy. We want it to be a place of well being and renewal. Because the next question is the, the disciples, where are you staying? Where are you living? And Jesus says, come and see. And those two, those two disciples don't leave Jesus. Come and see. And ultimate, where ultimately we find out, where does he live? He lives in relationship with the Father. All right? And that relationship is intimate. And the Father serves the Son, and the Son serves the Father. And and as a part of that relationship, we have the Holy Spirit. That's the community and the home that's on offer to us. And when we come into relationship with Jesus, yes, that relationship or the or the entrance to that relationship, we don't deserve it. It's totally by grace. It's by God's mercy. But in order to maintain the relationship, in order to keep it going, in order for the relationship to become deeper and more intimate and to have a greater impact on our lives, it will depend on our obedience and our willingness to keep the commandments of Jesus. And we have to probably shift our way of thinking, do we not? Because salvation should not be something just to escape punishment. Although that's not a bad motive, but surely there's something more. And I always think it's worth remembering that what we call salvation is not an event, not simply a doctrine. more than just some legal transaction that happens between us, God, yes, and the cross of Jesus. Again, I'm not criticizing that. I'm only thinking we've, only saying we have made it, uh, you might say, we've truncated or our understanding has been very, very limited. Salvation, as we understand it in John's gospel, eternal life is a relationship with with Jesus who brings us to the Father. Surely Jesus, whose name is Yeshua, saves us from our sins. But the same chapter in Matthew then tells us his name is Emmanuel, God with us. And for us to define salvation, it would best be it, the best thing for us would be to understand that what it means to be quote unquote saved is to be in relationship with God through his Son Jesus the Messiah that is home, and I think sometimes. Uh, especially if folks who come from kind of a healthy home or those who come from places where they have strong attachments to a certain piece of geography or their identity comes largely from their family or from their ethnic group, may sometimes have the tendency to miss this. And I think it's those of us who sometimes... uh, don't quite know where home is or where home was or somehow home turned out to disappoint us and didn't live up to our expectations because of neglect or abuse or misunderstanding or whatever it may be. Yeah, perhaps we're the fortunate ones because we can look right to find home Yeah, in the community of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Yes, we enter that community by grace, through believing, but we stay in that community and we stay in that relationship through obedience. Indeed, that is our challenge. And I'd like to end by reading from... Hebrews. So when we go to tell Dan in the north, there's some very appropriate verses about Abraham. As Abraham uh, saw the city of Dan. And um, here is the It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land. He had a piece of territory given to him by God. But in actual fact, if we know the history of Abraham, he doesn't ever quite inherit. He stays on the periphery. He is in the Jordan Valley. He's in the Negev. Yes, It says, by faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob who were heirs with him and of the same promise for he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And interestingly, how is the end of or how does um, the passage goes on? All these people were still living by faith, talking about the great saints. When they died, they did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. Had they, if they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. And I'd like to stop there for a moment. When we talk about a heavenly country or a heavenly home. It's not simply when we get to heaven, right? Eternal life and relationship and the indwelling of the Father and the Son. yes. Uh, in our lives as individuals and our lives as a community begins now. Yes, and continues after we die. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly country. Sorry, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he prepared a city for them. Amen. And I hope the way that we define ourselves The way that we find our security and identity, yes, when we talk about our home, yes, we'll be found uh, in, in the relationship that we have with the Father and the Son.
0: Thank you for listening. If you've been blessed by this teaching, let us know by leaving a comment on our Facebook page, on SoundCloud, or by leaving a review in Apple Podcasts. You can offer practical support by giving a donation at ChristChurchJerusalem.org. Thank you, and blessings from the City of the King.